Hey Metro, I want to introduce to you a wonderful couple in our church, Don and Bonnie Alexander. They have become friends uh, to us and you guys have been involved with the life of our church uh, in a lot of ways over the last five or six years. Uh, you guys have been in life groups, you're part of Financial Peace University, you serve on the safety team. Bonnie, you are running our journey stores, which is uh, ridiculously cool. But you guys have had your own little comeback. Yes. Your lives have just Ooh, there's been a big reversal. Uh, there is this little passage in the scripture that says, a borrower is a slave to the lender, and you guys were slaves for a lot of years. Tell us about that. Well, I mean, we had been married for 15 years, and we were just buried in consumer debt. All right, tell us how much. Uh, we had 30000 in consumer debt. Woo! That wasn't counting our mortgage. So you were just buried with all these bills mm -hmm. flying out the door. Yep. And when you're buried like that, how were you feeling about life and what was going on in your home, your marriage, all that kind of oh, stuff? We were stressed, overwhelmed, fighting. Yep, we were not a couple like we should have been at all. So it led to brokenness, not, not just being broke, but it led to brokenness. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It was, we were not a couple. Um, we, the Bible says that two is supposed to be one and we were not one. I had my own bank account, he had his, I paid my own bills, he paid his own bills. Wow. We didn't know what each other was spending. Uh, we each had overdrafts on our bank accounts. Uh, we weren't a couple, we were a lot of times not even talking to yeah. each other. Which is funny because it's not like you weren't earning money and even good money. It's just that there was no management of it, right? Oh no, I mean like I said, uh, Actually, in the Dave Ramsey class, there's a line he has about outworking your own stupidity. <laughs> I said, that was me. Yeah. I said, I just worked more hours to make more money. Yeah. And we were still just as broke when it was all over. So. Right. We incredible? both had full-time jobs, and we just were not making it. We yeah. were barely making it. And so at this point, uh, you're not only broke, but you're heartbroken. Uh, you're not talking to each other. And, and so what changed? What, what started to move in you, shift in you? Well, we uh, got invited to Metro, so we decided to che check it out, check out the situation. Um, we started coming, uh, we started growing in our faith, yeah. or we started growing in our knowledge of what God yeah. expected of us. And um, we were going to a life group at the time, and you had put on a video about financial peace and talking about finances, and our life group leader said, oh, we." taking financial peace. We live yeah. by it. It's it's a great thing. And so financial peace is one of our classes that we yes. offer uh, mm -hmm. all the time, really. So and, and you got invited to this. Yep. So we decided to go, but there was an issue. And we had a little arguing over the cost of it. Yeah, because it does cost yeah. money. It's, it's Dave a, Ramsey It's $99 yeah. and we're already broke. Yeah. <laughs> so you didn't have the $99 to, oh my no. goodness. Okay. Yeah. And so, and then, so what'd you do? He no. made the decision to pull out a credit card. Pull out a credit yeah. card and put it on the credit card. So you went more in debt to take a class about how to get out of get debt. Out of debt. And was that a good investment? Yes. yes. Oh my goodness. Yes, changed our life. And so what started to change? What did you learn through this little seminar thing we put out? Well, I mean, our hearts changed. Too. Your hearts, yeah. We realized that we had to make a change and it changed our views towards each other. Yeah. Yep. We started becoming more as one sharing our things. You know, it ta taught us how to save money. It taught us how to do our debt snowball and pay yeah. off all of our debt. Yeah, debt is the enemy. <laughs> yes. Debt is yeah. the enemy. Yeah. Yes, it is. Um, and it's things that 
it's common sense things that nobody really ever taught us and he's very motivational yeah um so and so you just walked out fired up knowing that you had to get this right yeah yep. you said it's time for a change so you guys are just experiencing a whole new heart toward money and toward each other and yes. it's helping your marriage uh, because money is a big issue yes. in marriage it, it separates people all the time and not only in marriage but in friendships and all these sorts of things and, and so uh, you guys go through the whole deal and you decide that you're going to get some things right did you get some things right yes we did i understand <laughs> that you guys ended up paying off some pretty big debt and you got this like what is this over here what is this uh, this was all of our credit cards this is our chain of debt that kept us a slave for a long for time. For many years. So every time you paid off a credit card, you made a link in the chain. Yes. Cut it into a link. Wow. And so how long did it take? 19 months. 19 months and then you were debt free from consumer debt. Yes. Way to go. And do you feel better? Oh Definitely. yeah. Uh, yes. <laughs> freedom feels has a feeling, doesn't it? Freedom yes. has a feeling and it's a good feeling. Yes. yes it yeah. is. I tell you what, uh, the, you guys aren't alone in this. There's a whole bunch of families that need a comeback and your example I think it's gonna be a lot of motivation for a lot of people. And you guys now help teach Financial Peace University, don't you? Yes, we do. That is way, way cool. Way to go, you guys. Um, thanks for sharing your story with us. I'll tell you what, thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Welcome to Metro at both of our campuses. We are so glad that you are here, especially if you are joining us via video, uh, maybe on the internet. We are super glad that you have joined us. Let me see by a show of hands, we are in our comeback series. And how many would you, how many of you would say that at one point in your life, somewhere way back then even, that you needed a comeback in your life? Anybody? Maybe it was a friendship that went bad and you're just trying to figure this out and you want it to come back or maybe it was a marriage, you know, and your back was up against the wall and you realized if you didn't change something right here, right now, it was, it was quitting time and you didn't want that, you needed a comeback or, or maybe it's a health issue for some of you and you had to have a comeback with your health. Uh, so how many would go even the next step farther and you would care to admit even today that, that it wasn't just back then, but right now in your life, you're saying I could use a comeback. I could use a comeback. Hands up all over the place at our video campus. Uh, listen, friends, listen to me. It is true, without even realizing it, faster than we could ever realize. We become something that we never even thought we could be. Stuff changes quick inside of us. And we wake up one day and our thoughts and our heart and our actions, they're far from who we wanna be and we need a comeback. Can I, can I tell you guys a little bit of good news? Anybody? Good news? God is in the comeback business. You know this, right? God is in the comeback business. He really is. I mean, you have heard of Jesus, right? Well, the scripture says this, that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is working in you. <laughs> That he's alive in you and that that comeback that he made can, can initiate this comeback through his spirit working inside of you. Things can change and things can grow inside of you. And that's what this whole series is all about. And so here's what I'd like to do to start us off. And I know this might seem a little bit weird to some of you, but at both of our campuses, I would love for you to, to be humble and to literally move off of your seats 
and to get on your knees before God. Now, we don't do this always around here, but maybe you could join me even today. Even those of you who are brand new and you're thinking, what in the world is going on? I know this is a little bit strange, but this is a way for you and for me to have a humble heart before God, to show him that there are things in our life that we cannot orchestrate on our own. That if we could fix us, we would have fixed us a long, long time ago. But we need God's provision. We need God's leadership. We need God's help. So let me just pray for you with a humble heart. You talk to God as I lead. So Father in heaven, uh, we just take one moment uh, to be quiet before you. Asking God uh, that you would do something great inside of us. God, a whole bunch of us would admit right now that we need a comeback in this area or that area of our life. God, we need you to move. So speak, oh God. Tell him, speak, oh God. For your child is listening. And together we say, amen. 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 All right, you guys ready to go? Here we go. Now, you may know some of this already. You may feel some of this already, but I did a little research for us. Uh, The Federal Reserve Banking System of the United States does all of this tracking of data out of your life and out of my life. I don't know if you realize this, uh, but they have concluded that as a nation, we are a people that is greatly in debt. Does that surprise anybody? Nope. As a matter of fact, they tell us that the average American has in what we call consumer debt, that would be your credit cards, that would be uh, maybe walking into some sort of store and you buy a washing machine and uh, they they lend you the money by some sort of payment plan to get that product. It's called consumer debt. And they said the average American is $16,883 in just consumer debt, credit card type of debt. Uh, They say that the average American is in debt $29,530 for your auto payments. That's what you owe for your automobiles. They, they say that the average American has a mortgage of about $182,421. Uh, they say that if you have a student loan, which a significant portion of the population does, the average student loan uh, coming out of college today and as of 2017 is, get this, $50,626. And so all of this put together, the government says that the average American household is in debt about two hundred and That is a lot of money, is it not? Now, here's what's really amazing. They tell us that the average American household earns around $60,000, the average household. So this tells us that the average family is in debt four times or more of what they actually earn in an entire year. Get this. They tell us that the average American, 80%, of all Americans will live all of their life in debt to somebody else and you will die in debt, 80%. Friends, uh, some of you are looking over to your honey and going, honey, we're not doing so bad. And you're trying to do the comparison game right now. We're not doing so bad. And then your honey says to you, oh, we have 5,000 in credit card and we owe on the house and we owe on, did you forget that we owe your mother right? 
And friends, I think you already know this, and I'm just going to tell you something that you already know. When our finances are upside down, it is like living with a heavy weight tied around your, your body and you're swimming in the deep end, right? It is stressful. It is hurtful. It sucks the life out of you. It, it takes you off of your game. It takes you away from who you really want to be. It is scary and it gets old, doesn't it? It gets old owing somebody else. It gets old making it week to week and barely making it from week to week. It just gets old. And here's what the scripture says. And I just want to read a couple of passages of scripture for you. And I want it to kind of inform everything that we are going to talk about tonight. Just let these verses sink into you and let them inform your thinking about this very big issue called money. Here, here's what it says in the book of Proverbs chapter 22. Very simple verse. It says, the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is a slave to the lender. Now, is this verse condemning rich people? I mean, the whole world seems to want to condemn rich people. I don't want to condemn rich people. I want to be a rich people, <laughs> right? And my guess is a whole bunch of you would say I'd rather be rich than poor, am I right? This verse is not a commentary on rich people. This verse is a commentary on poor people. This verse is a commentary on struggling people. This verse is a commentary on upside down financially type of people. It really is. And friends, what's it saying? It's saying what we just said, that the weight of indebtedness is heavy. This is a commentary that says, when you live in a borrowed state, you're dumb. Oh, Pastor Jay, why are you going to be so mean? You're right. You're not dumb, you're stupid. There's a difference, right? I, I'm sorry, I shouldn't say that. I'm so sorry. But you, you get what it's saying, right? It's saying this. Nobody wants to live that way. It's like, remember when you were a kid and you used to pile up football and you tackled the guy with the ball and they just piled up and you're the guy on the bottom going, get off me, get off me, get off me. Do you remember, anybody remember this? That's what it's like living in debt where everybody's on piled up on top of you and you're the guy in the bottom just saying, get off me, get off me, get off me. It is a weight that you don't want to live with. And yet, we just learned from the Federal Reserve that we're living with it. And we're going deeper and deeper and deeper. Something's gotta change. Here's what Jesus says. He comes along and he says it a little bit differently, but he talks about the same thing. Jesus, our Lord, he says it like this in the book of Matthew chapter six. He says, no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. And here it is. He says, you cannot serve both God and money. You have to make a choice. You can serve God or you can serve money, but you will choose a master in your life. And Jesus comes along and he paints this similar picture of this idea that there is this relationship between what our finances are like and what slavery is and what freedom looks like. And he begins to paint this picture for you. Which do you want to live in? Slavery or freedom? Freedom, right? And most people, 
But the truth is most people and most of us in this room, if the statistics are true about us like they are of the rest of the country, the truth is, is that most of us will live as slaves. We will want to be free, but we will live as slaves. We will barely make it. We will go from paycheck to paycheck, just one or two paychecks away from financial collapse. And we will live with the stress of that. We will live with the worry of that all of our lives. Friends, can I, can I just say something to you? You should serve God and money should serve you. That is so good. You should say that again. You may want to write this down. You may want to take a picture of this. I'm going to put it up on the screen for you. You should serve God and money should serve you. Money should serve your dreams, your goals. Money should free you to do what God wants you to do in this world. Money should free you to to experience all that God wants you to experience in this world. We shouldn't live in the bondage and the slavery of indebtedness. We should not live in this paycheck to paycheck to paycheck to paycheck type of an existence, just completely stressed out over this thing called money. And so what I'd like to do over the next few moments, if it's okay with you, is I want us, I want to help us to rethink about how we think about money, to rethink it, because we have to rethink it or we will die like the rest of the world. It's got to be different with us. We are people of God. We are meant to serve God and not serve money. We do not want to spend the rest of our life chasing the dollar just to pay the next bill. Am I right? So we need to learn to serve God. And so let's just kind of talk about how do we go about this idea of a financial comeback. Uh, in, in the world of business, they, they talk about this idea of spending and investing and uh, assets and uh, accumulation and all of this stuff. They, they, they have this term that they use, and you may have heard of it. It's called asset allocation. Have you ever heard of this term? And you're going, oh, this is like a business talk. Well, listen, there are some things in business that maybe we should take over into our own lives. There are some things that we can learn from the business community and bring them into our own little households, right? Because they're doing something, right? They got all the money. Maybe we should get some of that, right? Maybe we should learn a few things and get this into our lives. And so in the business world, they talk about this idea of asset allocation or resource allocation. And so what is an asset or what is a resource? In the world of business, it's time, it's, uh, it's money, it's material, it's, it's staff, anything that can be used to build an organization or a business. It, it's everything that you have on hand, all the products on your shelf, uh, the patents that you own, it's the buildings and the space that you occupy. Uh, it's anything that a company can leverage to, to build a successful entrepreneur uh, enterprise, right? It, it's, it's assets. And so we get this, it's the resources. And, and think about this, what does it mean to allocate something? It simply means to direct it. it. It simply means to put it into use in the best possible way. And so what is asset allocation? Well, I was listening to this leadership podcast a couple weeks back, and it was Pastor Craig Groeschel, and he was talking about this idea of church asset management, money management for the church and buildings and labor and all this very exciting stuff, right? But it was incredibly helpful to me. I mean, it was like 
wow to me. And he began to talk about this very issue, asset allocation. And this is how he described it. Listen carefully. Uh, he, he says, asset or resource allocation is investing your available resources in the present to accomplish your goals and objectives in the future. Think about this. Now let's apply this to, you, to your family. Let's internalize this. Asset allocation or resource allocation is investing our, 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 what is available to us, our resources in the present to accomplish the dreams we have for our families, the dreams we have for our marriages or our homes or our children or our retirement. Assets need to be directed in such a way that it achieves Listen, the long-term goals of your life. And so you think about your family. What are your assets? Assets are your time. We all have the same time, right? Uh, we, we get an education. That's an asset. There's, there's the work and the hours you put in. Then there's the money that you receive from that work. All of these are assets that you have. And, and what we have to figure out is how to be wise in the way that we take whatever assets we have and we, the way that we allocate them toward the future. Listen, uh, this idea of, of a biblical asset allocation is this idea of, of making your efforts in life count in such a way that you do not live as a slave to money. It's living wise in such a way that, that you will choose to be able to serve God and not serve money all of your life. And friends, I would suggest that you start this sooner than later. It will change your life. Uh, Margaret Rouse, I don't know if you've ever heard of her, but she's a technical analyst for a very large company called Tech Target. And what they do is they help big business manage their big businesses, right? And so these are like kind of top dog business thinkers. And she says this about resource allocation. She says, resource allocation involves balancing competing needs and priorities and determining the most effective course of action in order to maximize the effective use of limited resources and gain the best return on investment. And some of you guys are going, huh? <laughs> this is just crazy business talk. No, 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 no. This isn't business talk. This is spiritual talk. This, all, all of this is deeply spiritual. Jesus says you have to decide what you're going to serve and who you're going to serve all the days of your life. And you do asset allocation every single day, don't you? You have limited effort, limited time, limited resources, and you gotta figure out how to what? Balance it all. You gotta figure out how to invest it all in such a way that you get the most return for that investment. So as a family, I want you to think about this. Uh, you only have so much money to go around. You only have so much time to, to go around. Like You would love to pay off your student loans. You would love to do that, but your kid needs braces. You gotta balance this, right? It's just true. You, you would love to uh, clean up your uh, basement because it's a wreck like mine, and, and, and yet uh, uh, you're, you know that maybe your marriage is in trouble, and it's Wednesday night, and it's your only night off, and you would love to clean up your basement, but your marriage is struggling, and so you know that your church is, is offering this you know, kind of a, a four-week next step session on how to make your marriage better, and so you have to decide what you're going to invest and what the long-term outcome is going to be. You have to decide where your assets are gonna go, where your efforts are going to go. Uh, you, you, let's just say you're really tired and you've been working a ton and you've just been like killing it, killing it, killing it and you're desperate for a break and you would love to spend the weekend just 
vegging out and watching like a marathon of Star Wars for the third time. And, and yet, you know that you should probably hit the gym instead. Or maybe you should work on your budget. Or maybe your house needs a little attention. Or maybe, or maybe you have a teenager that's becoming more and more distant from you. And maybe you need to invest there. So what are you going to do? You have to decide where to allocate your resources, your effort. You have to decide where to put your investments, right? You, you, you absolutely do. This is resource allocation. It's deciding how to balance competing needs and priorities and determining the best course of action in order, in order to get the best return on your investment with your limited resources. You see, in the business world, it's interesting. You listen to business people talk. Uh, they talk about this idea of investing. Have you heard of this? Right? They always use this word investment. But when you listen to people like us talk, we talk about spending. Right? We talk about how much it costs and I'm spending more than I'm taking in. And oh my goodness, I just spent this on this and that. And, and we talk, there's a difference, isn't there, between investment and spending. So when you talk about this idea of spending, all of us do the same thing. Every one of us do the same thing, no matter how much income you have. Here's what we do. You, when you spend money, you don't actually spend money. What do you do? You trade your time for money, and then you trade your money for stuff. And so money doesn't actually buy your stuff. What buys your stuff? Your time does. You have to choose where you're going to invest your time, right? And so this idea of spending, all it is is a fair trade. You're, you're trading what's marketable in your time to what's a market cost of a product or stuff. And it's just an even up swap. You give yourself to this, they give you this product. That's what it is. But what about investing? Investing is a totally different way to think, right? I investors, anybody ever do any investing ever? Ever? Like you invested something? You expect to get something from your investment, don't you? Come on, don't you? You expect a little return on your money, on your effort. You expect that, that somehow there's an exponential return for your effort. There's, there's growth. There is some sort of payback because of the risk and the effort that you put in. So investing is very different than spending. And friends, let me tell you something. I think we need, if we're gonna have a comeback, I think it needs to start with thinking about money differently thinking about your time differently, thinking about your resources differently. I think we need to think about investing our lives, not just spending our lives. Woo! Woo, that's... Are you with me? I think we need to figure out how to leverage our lives in the best possible way. And I think we need to desire more for our life, something bigger for our life. Um, what do you want out of life? What, what do you want out of life? I, I can tell you uh, that for me and Lynette, uh, we don't care about being rich. We don't care about fancy anything. I, I, you can ask, my, my kids will tell you, they, my mom and dad, they don't care about designer nothing. It, it's just not in who we are. But I can tell you what we care about. I, I can tell you that we care deeply about not being a slave to anybody. We care very deeply about being able to live generously. 
We care very deeply about, about having the freedom that Christ promises us when we live according to his will to do what he wants us to do, to follow the call. So let me tell you something. If God calls me to volunteer with our teen ministry, I'm not gonna be going, well, I gotta work some overtime because I, I just can't pay my bills and so I don't have any time for that. But God's calling me. No, I want the freedom to follow God's call in my life. If, if God's calling me to go on one of these long or short-term mission trips to Africa, I don't want to go, oh, I don't have the three bucks or I don't have the thousand bucks or I don't have the time, I don't want to have the effort, I don't have anything. No, 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 I want to have an abundance in life so that I can follow God's call in my life. Are you hearing me, friends? So, so where, where do we start with this? Let's just talk about this. Where do we start to get this right? I can tell you where it starts. It starts in our thinking, We need to establish a new way of thinking. We need to change our thinking. We need to establish a new set of priorities. If you were here last week, we talked about this idea of you gotta think about what you want your life to become because why, friends? You're gonna end up somewhere. Listen to me. You're gonna end up somewhere. You might as well end up somewhere on purpose. You're gonna get something out of life and it might as well be what you want out of life. So you have to think deeply about your priorities. You have to think deeply about what matters to you. And you have to run after that. You need to go for that. I I can tell you that for Lynette and I, again, uh, we decided long ago that we did not want to get to our 50s and 60s uh, and and be broke. We just decided that, period. We were not going to be that couple. We saw it in too many of our friends, too many of our parents' friends. I, I can tell you that we decided that we would get old together, but we would not get old and broke together. We were going to do it differently. That, that I, I, wanted, I, I decided many years ago, we decided many years ago that, that we did not want to get old and have to keep earning and have to keep earning. Now listen, I'm going to tell you something. I will always serve God. I will work until the day I die. I love working. I love working, but I don't want to have to worry about earning Listen, if I want to be that guy at Walmart who's 73 years old and greeting you at the door, you know, hey, welcome to Walmart. Listen, that's the coolest thing in the world if you want to do that. But I don't want to do it just for the 10 bucks an hour because I need it. You need to think about where you want to go in life and who you want to become in life. And, and so friends, listen, we need to define our priorities. In the, in the world of leadership, there is this term that is sort of the buzzword out there, and I think it's a good thing. It, it says you need to define, you need to define your win in life. You need to define what a win looks like for you. And, and, and I believe this to be true. You have to define what you're trying to accomplish because if you, can, you cannot accomplish what you do not define. Do you understand what I'm saying? You cannot accomplish what you do not define. What is a win for you? What is a win for your family? You have to decide this. Are you looking to pay off that $8,000 of credit card debt? Are you tired of that sucker hanging over you? Are, are you thinking that you're going to need a new car soon and you don't want to go more in debt to get a car because your last car is a piece of junk? And, and What is the win for you? Listen, if you do not know your win, you will just spend your resources. But if you know your win, you will invest your life. And there is a profound difference. 
there is a profound difference in the way that you live. My son, Zachary, my son, Zachary, uh, he is a junior in college. Uh, he's just a young man. He's 19 years old. And very early on when he got into this whole college thing, uh, we talked about this. And he says, Dad, I do not want to get out of college with a penny of debt. I want to go through college. I want to pay for it all, whether it be through scholarships or hard out cash. Uh, we're going to do this. And so somewhere along the way, Zachary, because that was his win, that he gets out of college without any debt, he decided that U of M or some big fancy business school was not the way he was going to go. He opted for a lesser known school that cost quite a bit less. Much of it's online. He traveled some. But, but listen, at the end of the day, he's paid every penny along the way and doesn't have a penny of debt. And to me, to me, that's not just wise spending. That is investment living. That's thinking about where you want your life to go. And friends, this is what we have to do. We have to define our win because defining the win impacts your daily life. It impacts what you do every single day. It directs what you do daily. For, for example, if the win is paying off your student debt or paying off that stupid car that you wish you never would have bought in the first place, then what that means for, for you then is it affects your daily decisions. And so uh, that means that if that is your goal to get out of debt, then, then you don't go out on Friday night with your family of six and then go to a movie which costs like my family like 150 bucks by the time we're all done. No, what you do is you go home and you do dinner at home and you rent a red box for $1.50. And you have a good old time like that. And you put the rest where you want it to go. Are you hearing me, friends? You have to decide where you want to go in life. You've got to define the win for you. If the win is investing more time in your kids, if, investing, if the win for you is to have a vibrant relationship with your kids. Then maybe you need to move your after work workout when your kids are actually at home and you can be with them. Maybe you need to do something very crazy and get up early and go to, to the gym before you go to work so that you, when you come home from work, you can actually do what you really want in life and that is to build a relationship with your children. Think about your life. Where do you want it to go? If your win is to reduce your debt load, and then that means to me that you're, uh, or, or uh, uh, then that means like you got to um, skip going out to the convenience store every time you want a little snack. This might mean that if you, you need to uh, stop like going to those ridiculously overpriced five dollars $5 a coffee at that Starbucks place, and you might need to do coffee at home, right? Or it might mean that you need to take peanut butter and jelly and skip the chipotle. Now for me, for me, the win is going to chipotle. That is the win for me. Because listen, I'm at that stage in life and I can afford this and this is a good thing for me. Right? But I've decided that. That I want to eat healthier. I want to do that. But there are many, many, many years that there was no chipotle. There was no going out to anything. Because we, because why, friends? We knew the wind for our life and where we wanted it to go. And friends, I just think it should be for all of us. We need to think about where we want to go. Um, and, and so you get the point, right? The wind directs your actions. The wind needs to be very clear in your life. There's this little verse in the Bible. It's amazing. It's 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and it's so simple. It says this. Test everything. Hold fast what is good. Listen, test everything. Make sure it's clear. Make sure it's from God. But then once you make sure that this is God's calling, once you define the win for your life, go for it. You hold on. 
you'll be tempted to get off. You'll be tempted, all your friends are doing this and spending this and everybody else goes to Disney and spends like $19,000 million in one week. And you're going, but that's not in my long-term plan, but I gotta do it because everybody else did it. No, 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 no. You don't do what everybody else does. You do what God has approved for you to do. And then you hold fast to it. Y'all hear me on this? Y'all hear me? And so some of you, you need to go home and have a big time conversation and figure out what is the win for you financially. And it can't be like, oh, it's gotta be crystal clear. It can't be like, oh, honey, we really need to do something about all these bills. Oh, honey, we need to do something about our retirement. No, 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 that is simply not good enough. It needs to be crystal clear. It is like, we are going to be debt free from consumer debt within two years. And here's how we're gonna do it. We got a plan. Or look, I've been working on my college degree for 14 years and I'm gonna get it done in the next two and here's my plan, right? I'm gonna lose weight and here's my plan. We need to go home and formulate a win in our life and it's gotta be the clearer, the better. You know, we're gonna, listen, I wanna, I wanna give, but we can't, we, you know, we wanna move toward a tithe. We wanna give 10% to God because I love God. He's first and he's most in my life, but we can't. But listen, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna start with 10 bucks. We're gonna put God on the radar. We're gonna make sure he comes into the picture right now in our life. You see what I'm saying? We need to make a plan and it's gotta be crystal clear. You see, the win for me is not having more money than I spend, no, 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 no. The win for me is much, much bigger than that. Uh, for me, it's living out what Jesus said. You cannot serve two masters. The win for me is being free to serve God and let money serve me. That's the win for me. Many years ago, Many years ago, Lynette and I decided uh, that when we were young, that we would simply not go into debt for anything, anything but our house. That's it, nothing. If we don't have it in cash, we don't need it. It's just that simple. Oh, dad, can't we? Nope. Nope. It's just that simple. Many years ago, uh, we decided that we were not going to live in slavery. Many years ago, Lynette and I decided that we would put God first and we would tithe no matter what we earned that he would get the first 10% of everything that we have. And we just find that it's easier to live on 90 with God than on 100 without him. That's just the way we do it. Um, many, many years ago, we decided that we would not get old and broke, that we would just get old but not broke. Uh, we decided many, many years ago that we would not be a burden to our kids. In our old age, um, we want to be a blessing to our kids. We decided this. This is the win for us. Your wins might be different. I don't know what your wins are. But for us, we decided that we'd be able to bless our kids when we get old. And that's how we're living. That's what we're trying to do. Um, many years ago, uh, we decided that we were going to say no to certain things in order to say yes to the right things in our life. That's how we were going to live. And, and so, friends, if you want to come back, you have to define what is important to you personally. And you need to live toward that. You all with me so far? You all with me? So I want to give you just two, two ways, two ways that I think that could help us in defining this win and helping us achieve this win for our life. You ready for these? Two ways. You ready on video? You guys ready? Two ways. Here's the first one. You need to say, no, now, you need to learn to say no now so that you can say yes later. You, you, you do realize a financial comeback is not a money issue, it is a heart issue. I was reading an article about this little known actor named Johnny Depp. Have you heard of him? It was saying that this dude has made like over $100 million in his lifetime and he's broke. 
And I'm thinking to myself, how do you make $100 million and be broke? That is not a money issue. That is a what? It is a heart issue. You know, he, he's having to sell this and he can't do this and he's mad at this manager and this. I'm thinking, there is something wrong in your heart because very few people, very few people in life will ever have more resources than their desires. Very few. So what is the issue? It's the desire of your heart. Jeremiah, the great prophet, he said it like this in Jeremiah 17, 9. He says, the heart is deceitful above all things. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? And it's true, right? Because our little heart starts to, to pound and we go, oh, oh, I'm never gonna be happy unless I get this certain kind of gene that has a certain kind of cut and a certain hole right here because the hole down here isn't good enough, but the hole here, oh, that would make me feel good about me. And don't say you're not like that because every one of us has a heart that runs after things. And we become desirous of things. And we think if we just get this, we will be happy. How happy are you with all the stuff that you've gotten in life? It's only temporary, right? And so here's what we do. We spend money that we do not have on things that we do not need to impress people that really don't even care about us. Right? It's true. And so we need to learn to say no so that we can say yes for our future. We need to say no to little things so that we can say yes to the big things that our hearts want, that our hearts desire. Does that make sense? So hey, let me show you something. This is absolutely amazing. Can we just be honest in the room? Could, could, how many of you would say that you waste a little bit of money in life? I mean, you just spent money, you don't even know where it went. Anybody? Okay, it's not just me then, okay. Uh, uh, well, could we just be honest and say, like on the low end of wasting money in life, would you say about $5 a day, we could all say that we probably have wasted about five bucks a day in our lifetime? Yeah, yeah right? 1,800 bucks a year, $5 a day, right? So I want you to think about saying no for a little while in order to say yes forever. Think about this. Think about the power of this. Uh, how many people like coffee in the room? Coffee in the room? You people stop at like Tim Hortons and Starbucks and you get that $5 foo-foo coffee stuff. Now this does not apply to Baxter's. This is totally different. <laughs> Baxter's is an investment in your church. Totally different. But let's just say this. What if you said no to your $5 a day coffee habit, which is the American average, by the way? And what if you invested that money instead? Let me just walk this through. Let's say you take $5 a day and you invest it in a mutual fund. I'm not going to get into all the details, but it's called a mutual fund. Go look it up. And you earn 10% interest a year on that. We're not going to get into all the details, but trust me, you can average that over the long haul of your life. Uh, that's reasonable. And so let's say you take that $5 a day or $1,825 a year, and you invest that at 10%, and you start at the legal, what, what's the legal age for adulthood? 18, right? So let's say that you start adulting at 18 and you start being wise with your money and you start saving $5 a day when you're 18 years old, you invest it. Um, and let's say you do this until you're 50 years old. 50 years old, that's 32 years. You would have invested, if you did this $5 a day for 32 years, you would have invested $58,000 roughly. But your account, because of the interest compounding year after year for 32 years, you would have $367,000. Not bad. But statistically, you would have spent $58,000 on coffee in that 32 years. 
I like the $367,000 in my pocket. Am I alone? Now, let's just say you rolled this out for 50 years. Let's say until you're 65, right? You retire at 65. So let's say you go from 18 to 65 years old. Was that 47 years? And you do this for 40, you earn more money in that time. But let's just say you're really frugal and you're only going to invest $5 a day. Look at this. Look at what you'd end up with. One million five hundred. And $91,000. Now, you would have spent $85,000 on coffee. But instead, you put $5 a day. Who could use $1.5 million when you retire? Anybody in the room? I would think that would be pretty doggone nice. Am I right? So, friends, this is the power of learning to say no so that you can say yes to your future. And so the first thing is we need to define what we want out of our life. And then we need to learn the power of the heart. Learning to say no to those things that that can take our hearts away. Saying no so that we can say yes later. Anybody with me? And here's the third thing. We need to talk about this. We need, once we get those first two things down, we need to learn, we got to crush the debt in our life. We got to crush it. Show debt no mercy. We read this verse earlier and it's so powerful. It's out of Proverbs. The rich rule over the poor and the borrower is a slave to the lender. Anybody know this? It's true, right? So once you have your win defined, once you decide to rein in the desires of your heart, then you are going to go slay the giant of debt. You really are. So let me show you how this works. Now, y'all know what a credit card does, right? A credit card, it convinces us. Now, some of you all pause real quick. Look at me real quick. Some of you all going, I thought we were in church. This is church. Jesus cares deeply about your slavery. He, he said, I've come to set you free. He goes, I want you to live generously. I don't want you to live in bondage. I want you to be able to do what God's given in your heart to do. This is a deeply spiritual issue. This isn't a money issue. This is a spirit issue. And so let me tell you, 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 some of y'all know this. You know what a credit card does, right? It convinces you that you can afford something that you cannot afford. And they do this by this little thing called the payment plan, right? And it doesn't matter if it's a car or a credit card or buying a refrigerator. They say it only costs 60 bucks a month. That's it. Right? And so I want you to think about how this works a little bit. For example, let's say you go out and you buy a $3,000 item that you really can't afford, but they say, oh, you can afford it because the payments are only $60, right? And the reason the payments are $60 is that in the state of Michigan, the minimum payment that you are allowed to make is 2% of the balance of the debt. And so that would be $60 on $3,000. Um, but, but have you ever thought about really what that will cost Because the average interest in Michigan is 15% on consumer debt, 15%. And so I want you to think about this a little bit. Uh, If the credit card charges you that 15%, on average, I did the math, that would cost you for that 3,000 debt about $450 a year in interest. About $450 a year. So I I did the math. I'm going to put this up so you can see this for yourself. This is amazing. So let's say you buy something for $3,000 or you collectively buy a bunch of junk and it costs you $3,000 and you put it on the card of some kind, right? Uh, $60 minimum payment because it's 2% every single month. That's your minimum payment. Uh, $36 every single month will go toward interest. And $24 will go toward your balance payoff. And that, of course, alters as your balance changes a little bit. Um, And so after you make that first $60 uh, payment on your $3,000 debt, you still owe $2,976. Think about that. You just dropped 60 bucks, but it only moved a little bit, right? And it does this month after month after month. As a matter of fact, the average $3,000 credit card payoff in Michigan takes 16 years of your life. 16 years. 
You can raise a child almost in that time, right? During those 16 years, you would have paid $3,641 in interest on that $3,000 debt for the total cost of $6,641. And so here's the bottom line. Whatever you purchased way back 16 years ago for $3,000, it is broken or you don't remember what it was even paid on or spent, right? You don't even remember it anymore. It's long since gone. Let me tell you something, friends. That is a stupid way to live. Anybody agree? That is a stupid way to live our lives. We've got to kill this giant of debt. We, we just have to. Um, we've got to figure this thing out. And so uh, in our finance class that we do all the time, it's called Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University. Uh, we talk about possibly one of the biggest and best life-changing tools when it comes to money. And it's called the debt snowball. And I want to walk this through very, very quickly with you. The whole seminar that we do, it goes into great detail. But I'm just going to give you the overview so that we're all on the same page. Because we have got to fix this burden of debt in our life. So check this out. Uh, the debt snowball method is a basically a debt reduction strategy where you pay off all the debts you have in the order of the smallest debt to the biggest debt, from the smallest debt to the biggest debt. And I'm just gonna put this simple four-step plan out for you. And unless you're rich, you should probably take a picture of it because this is genius. This isn't from me. This is from Dave Ramsey's material. Check this out. He says this. This is the four-step plan on how to get out of debt very quickly. Number one, list all of your debts from smallest to largest. Start with the cheapest all the way up to the biggest bill you have. Number two, make minimum payments on all of your debts except the smallest debt. You're going to pay the basic payment, whatever is required by law for you to pay. You're going to pay that on all of your debts except for the cheapest debt that you have. Step three, pay as much as possible on your smallest debt. And then simply repeat this until each debt is paid in full. Let me explain how this works, okay? So let's say that you have basically $20,000 uh, in debt. And it looks like this. Okay, this is very normal. Matter of fact, this is probably less than average for most people. But let's say it looks like this. You have $500 in medical bills. You pay $50 a month minimum payment. Uh, $2,500 in just credit card consumer type of debt. You pay $63 a month minimum payment. Uh, you have a $7,000 car loan, $135 a month minimum payment. And you have a $10,000 student loan, $96 a month. So using the debt snowball method, here's what you would do. Follow this. This is so good. Uh, you will make the minimum payments on everything except for the medical bill. Everything but the medical bill. But here's what you're gonna do. You are gonna be like, you're gonna like be like a worker bee. You are gonna work so hard, you're gonna cut spending, you're gonna learn to say no, you're gonna define the win, and you're gonna say, we are gonna tackle this debt, and the first thing you're gonna do is you're gonna come up with an extra $150. Just for my example here, it could be more, it could be less, but for my example, if I looked at my life and I said, I gotta pay this off, I could probably scrimp and save and work extra and figure out a way to get an extra $150. What I'm gonna do is I'm gonna take that extra $150 that I used to blow at Starbucks, and now I'm going to put it toward my debt with that $50, right? $50 payment on the medical bill plus 150 is now what? $200. What was a two-year bill is now paid off in three months. Woo! Right? Anybody feeling the love? 
Anybody feeling the love, right? So check this out. You killed that monster, uh, but instead of going out and celebrating and blowing 100 bucks on dinner, what you're going to do is that felt really good, and you're going to do this to the next debt. And here's what you're going to do. You're going to go down to your $2,500 consumer debt. You're already paying $63 on it. You just made $200 payments. You're not going to stop the $200 payments. You're just going to shift them over, add them to the 63 and now what? And now what? Listen, what do you have? You have $263 payment every month towards your credit card debt. And instead of it being a 16-year debt, think about this. Instead of being a 16 years of your life paying that sucker off, you're going to do it in nine months. I'm thinking that feels good. Anybody in the room? You're going to pay this off in, in, in nine months. And then, I mean, you could have a baby in that time. Wow, it's amazing. Oh, uh, listen, uh, you killed another monster, but you're not going to celebrate yet. No, no, no. You're not going to call Pastor Jay and say, hey, I'm going to take you out for dinner because we just paid off for dinner. No, no. You're going to keep the money because I want you to keep the money. And here's what's going to happen. You're going to go after that five-year car loan. You're going to go after that five-year car loan. You owe 7000 on it originally, but now because you've been, it's been a year or so in this whole deal, now you own, let's say, $6,000 on that deal, right? And you're already paying $135 a month. You're going to take that uh, $263. You're going to combine those two, and that's $398. And now you're going to throw all of that every single month toward that $6,000 remaining balance of your car loan. Anybody with me on this? And now that thing is gone in less than 15 months. That's not a bad deal, people. Are y'all with me on this? Y'all with me on this? Another monster, gone. And now listen, here's what we're going to do next. We're going to go after that $10,000 student loan, which is probably about $9,000 now in remaining balance. And here's what we're going to do. Uh, $398 a month, uh, be, but because you're seeing great things, because this freedom that you're feeling in life, uh, you're going to use that money directly toward that student loan. You're going to take that $398 and you're going to combine it with the $96, which is about what? $490. $4 a month, but because you're feeling good, because you're feeling wild, you're going to round up to 500 bucks. You're going to add an extra six bucks to that payment, right? And here's what you're going to do. You're going to blow through that student loan, which takes 20 years on average to pay off a student loan. And you're going to blow through that sucker in 18 months. And to me, that's kind of reasonable. That seems like a reasonable way to live. 20 years of debt, $20,000 paid off in just 3.75 years total. And to me, that wasn't even all that hard. That took a little discipline. That took saying no for a little while so we could say yes for the future. My friends Don and Bonnie, they did $30,000 in 19 months. Woo! Come on. Come on. And so, this is a deeply spiritual issue. God does not want you to live in slavery. He wants you to be free. He wants you to be free to follow the call that he has on your life. He wants you to be free to give generously. He wants you to be free to do what he wants you to do, to invest in your future. Friends, we need to come back in this area. We need to rethink the way we think about money. Amen?